Hello, welcome back to Keeping It Grammy podcast. Uh, I know I missed my episode last week, but we're back now. Uh, and we'll make up for it because I've got a very special guest, a very important man who's got an album out right now, uh, and he has spared some of his time on the promo campaign to join me. Uh, Devlin, what's going on, mate? I'm very well. Yourself? I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Um, when I started out this podcast, I said what I was going to do was just have chats with um, some of the people that I already talked to. I normally have, you know, you know when you're catching up with people and you have sort of long long phone calls and you start veering off in other directions and stuff. I don't think I've ever had a long, like a full-length conversation with you before, though. We ain't. All the years we've done little bits and bobs now. I don't think we no. have ever sat down. As so this is going to be an interesting one for me because um, I'll be finding out probably, hopefully, if I do my job, I'll be finding out a bunch of new stuff um, and all your fans uh, and... People that appreciate your music will will learn a bit more about you as well. So, I think the first time I ever saw you was down. I think it might have been when Rince was in around Whitechapel. So, what year would that have been? It's probably about two thousand and five. I should imagine around that time. It might have been just before that. I think I just started on because um, I started on Kiss like towards the end of '04. Definitely around that sort of yeah. uh, around that sort of time. So how frame. how old were you when you first sort of started turning up to pirate radio and that sort of stuff? I had local ones in Barking and Dagenham and that yeah. probably for thirteen, fourteen. Mm. But Kiss at uh, Rinse at Whitechapel, I, I was about fifteen then when yeah. I met Dogsy and I was doing my thing with them boys. Because I remember there was all this buzz around this this new kid who, because obviously there'd been young talent that had come through before, like Dizzy, for example, and then Tinchy Strider after that. Um, but there was all this buzz about this this young kid called Devlin who was like Dogsy's younger and you know he's in OT and obviously I knew OT from Rinse days like seeing Glamour and Shots and uh, and Dogsy and Sire um, working for you know a number of years active regularly hitting up the the radio and then dropping dropping dubs and even productions like Glamour had a couple of, of big beats as well at the time and then Shots came through afterwards as well but it was a very exciting time because there was sort of talent popping up from everywhere. How did you, like, how did you break through? You said you were doing, like, local, smaller stations. Like, how did you get basically found, I guess, and, and brought into, just, brought into uh, the community? Just off the back, when I fell in love with the grime and that when I was young, and I, I just kept putting the work in. I know I had to be at a certain level... Almost wanted to make myself good enough to catch people's attention. And, and you knew this when you were like 13, 14? You yeah, that, that's what I was... You had that mindset already? Yeah, I knew I had to be at a certain level. You had to do a lot of work to get there. But give it a couple of years under the belt, I started developing my own style and getting the lyrics together. And just through friends of friends, my pal knew Reese, Dogsy. And uh, we met up one day. He liked me bars and that. And I, he said he'd give me a tingle. I thought he wouldn't ring me. He rang me a couple of weeks later and we went and done a... When I'd done a studio session, and that was it, really. So straight in yeah. studio, not radio, no. just like straight in the in the booth. Straight to Danny C's, and we clicked. Naturally, clicked anyway. Beyond the music, he was a funny geezer. You know what I mean? He had a, a sense of humour. Massive personality. <laughs> he liked my bars. I loved what they was doing for years. Obviously, they was putting my manner on the map, and they'd been on rinse for ages. And yeah, just come together natural in the studio, and then that was it. Rinse every twice a week. And it built from there. How important was that to have sort of 
like representation from your area, from where you came from, and seeing that in and amongst what was going on with this, this brand new scene, basically, because like Garage had kind of been and around, yeah. and you would have probably heard that when you were, you know, like ten, eleven, just starting secondary school, that would have been still there. But this, this, this grime thing, this pirate radio thing, was brand new, and it was a, it was like of the culture, rather like Garage was all a bit, a bit, a bit too polished, a bit too, too, too flashy. But but grime was proper. For me, it just like cemented like these boys are doing it. Yeah. So like they're, they're from the manor. This ain't out of me grass, but I just need to put some graft in, and it's realistic. Mm. Ended up falling in with the boys, like funnily enough. And uh, from there, that was just it. That's another platform. Then rinse was the biggest thing on the underground scene. So then uh, I started gathering a few fans off that. We was hitting upsets every week, and just yeah, just grew from there. But I knew if them boys were around my manor, and rinse was in my manor. Around yeah, it was. Halfway. Yeah. So, like, you'd see people going in and out, you know what I mean? People you're listening to on the radio, and so that might be Dizzy Rascal going in there, or Dogsy went in. So I just know, this ain't out of me uh, clutches. Just got to put the graft in, get to a certain level, and, yeah, just ended up clicking with What it. sort of stuff were you listening to when you, like, first started writing grind bars? Uh, like, Nas. I loved it. Like, Illmatic, I think, was the first CD I bought. Like, a lot of New York rap. Yeah. Uh, big pun. Stuff like that. I loved his flow, you know what I mean? The, the machine gun fire flow. And then one night I turned on the radio and I heard Sharky Major spitting on Deja. Yeah. And I just flicked him through and I thought, oh, them lyrics are a bit more in depth, you know? So it caught me here. said the garage was nice. I liked the tempo of it and that. But the lyrics and the grime was a lot more in depth. So I started locking into Nasty Crew every week and then discovered OT Crew and that and thought, right, this is... This is what I want to do. I start writing to Grime and cracking on. And as I said, ended up meeting Dogsy and that through a friend of a friend and a couple of years later. And then, yeah, we ended up on Rinse. So, 05, um, when, did you put out, when did you put out Tales? Uh, it might have been... It's like 05, 06, wasn't it? 06, 07, maybe. Yeah. It wasn't long after yeah. I'd met the boys, yeah. Never butchers. I've got, I've got notes and everything. I'm prepped. I should know. Really, yeah, 06. It was 06. 06 so, yeah. so like basically a year in the game, and that was that was like really much anticipated because again, everyone was talking up about this bright young talent. You know, we're hearing your bars on the radio. Obviously, there were like dubs and stuff that uh, you know back then. The uh, you'd do your radio sets. The DJ would come in and he'd play the dubs, which were not like dubs specifically for him, but like the cruise tunes. Yeah. You know, a load of them never came out. I'm sure they're probably, like, in Glamour's lock-up somewhere <laughs> on cracky <laughs> dub plates. Yeah. And that's it. That's the only place they exist. But, um, yeah, around about sort of 04, 05 time, after everyone kind of moved away from that, yeah, I'm going to do my album, because Wiley, Dizzy and Kano had done an album. It kind of moved into that mixtape era, which was, again, a little bit more attainable for people, because, like, albums are way up here. But a mixtape, you can kind of... I can yeah I can find out how to press up my CD and things. So how did how did you as a as a teenager manage to get out uh, Tales of the Crypt? My pal uh, my pal Mikey who was involved with like the OT crew and that mm. he was like me manager at the time really. He started taking things a little bit more serious than just radio and just spitting bars. He went look let's get yourself a CD together. We'd go Walthamstow, jump on the train at Barking to Walthamstow, grab the the ink and the papers and all that and the CD cases. Come back and we put them together with it our own prop, hands. It was proper, so DIY, proper yeah, DIY. Mate, put them together with our own hands. And, uh, yeah, I look back, I thank him now. He was right. 
let's not just do the radio every week, let's put a body of work together. Yeah. And uh, I think that really benefited me, Telstra and the Crip was received well. It was a good body of work. Mm. Almost sounded like a little bit of an album, mixtape, and it showed I had a bit of depth with me writing and that. And from there, it just progressed. It started selling, we were selling copies of that, we was printing up T-shirts. Everyone in Dagnum had an OT T-shirt. Like, yeah. Which, as you said, DIY, we were just going to get it, like, making it happen. Yeah, th- th- those days were great as well because you you put that mixtape out and it was it was like a point of reference. People heard about this guy Devlin, maybe from like wider reaching areas, from you know the fame that Rince had at the time. It was like you said at the top of the top of the hill when it came to to gram content. People are hearing about Devlin; they can jump online, do their Googles, then days and. Yeah, oh, he's I'm got a CD. Oh, definitely right, cool, glad check that I, out. I did it, and I said that was credit to Mikey at the time, me pal Mikey. He said, let's go and put a body of work together. And yeah, it just made sense. Went and cracked it out and was over the moon, put it together with our own hands. And once it was done and we could hold a physical copy, like, it felt like an achievement, you know? How did you go? Would you like literally driving around the shops yourself, back of the car, boxes of CDs? Yeah, we'd do that. We was out. I had people outside the schools in Dagnum or everyone. Everyone wanted a copy at the time. Dagnum was good mm. to me. They got behind me with the music. Mm. They got behind all the OT boys, but... Uh, who was that being? That's when my name started kicking off and got got back in touch with Getz. My pals knew Getz, a few of the Dagnum boys knew Getz and that. And we clicked and started making music and just all seemed to take off from there, you know? Everything was a platform after. Rinse was a platform, so we used that. Then we had the CD, that was a platform. Now let's use the hype off that and just kept growing and growing, really. Yeah, and obviously you had the talent to back it up. And every time you stepped up onto a new platform, people were recognising that talent. Uh, you said you mentioned Getz, of course. Um, people always link you to him and, and the movement as well. Maybe more so than they, they would OT, just because of the, the bigger fame, I guess, of that collective. Um, but OT is obviously where you, you, you started out. But then when you moved into that territory of working with Getz and the movement, that was more like a... I felt that was sort of like... You know, like the Avengers or Justice League. Just everyone's just nang and they're just together. Cause I know what you sick. mean. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there wasn't a deep link between everybody in the collective. It was just like a mutual respect of being sick on a microphone. I think you've hit an hour on the head there. I said Getz was, we was from down the road together. We got on well, do you know what I mean? My pals yeah. knew his and that, so we clicked naturally. Sculpture and Wretch at the time come out and they were on the same like, sort of lyrical element as us. Mm. We respected them, they respected us. DJ Unique, I've known him years and years before anyone, really, to be yeah. fair. He was down the road to me. So, yeah, we all come oh, together. Did you ever do, like, community centres and that sort of stuff, youth clubs? Oh, yeah, me and Unique, yeah, he was, he was from down the road to me. So we mm. used to, like, in Dagnum, Raynham, back in the day. They had, like, little youth centres. So I've known Unique a long time. So he, he was always DJing. And you had Merkston and Lightning there, and it all just seemed to come together, you know what I mean? Criminal was about. How did that affect your like music creation process? Your writing, like, did you, like, did you, did you change anything you were doing? Like, obviously, you must be learning. For these guys are all older than you. They've all done like a lot more in their career than you. Uh, you know, it was different than being around the people in OT and the people from Dagenham. These guys had been, you know, they'd done like stuff around the world I guess already by that time they've been been around Europe and, and America it didn't change nothing for me I just thought well I was very young anyway I knew I could only get better to a mm. degree and I was just finding my feet I was getting love from people for the lyrics but uh, I knew in myself I can still get a lot better here and it just 
give me more hunger. I always had that hunger. Like I wanted to come on the mic and you want to be the best in the room. That's why that collective worked well, the movement. It was just healthy competition. I all had a mutual respect. But now I know I can't turn up with weak bars. You've got to be at your best because you're with the best. So I just think it gave me more drive to crack one, up me game, make sure my delivery was good, the flows were good. I think it done that for everyone, you know? It made everyone want to up their game. So it was nothing but positive. I think that's a really rare thing as well, like to have a collective in which everyone's mutually trying to push each other forward rather than a couple of people are going around the side and around each behind each other's back and stuff. It, it definitely felt like you were all there for the benefit of each other and, you know, you just wanted everyone to win. Yeah, and from the outside, it might look more tight-knitted than it was, but as I said, I was, I was with the OT boys. I knew Getz anyway, he's from down the road. My pals knew it, so we was like more friendly, scorcher, and we'd just turn up for these yeah. sets. Well, only as if I rolled out every day with a movement. Yeah, we turn up, but when you turn up, you know you you better turn up. <laughs> I think I think that's why people assumed it was tighter than it was, just because of like how positive the the interactions were with everybody. Like, yeah, everyone was good people. To be mm. fair, everyone was good people. Fun times. But it was all about turning up with your lyrics. So like, what was what was the studio sessions like? Because obviously that must have just been like. That must have just been like a the most undercover clash ever. Every time you're in the studio, that's it. Without clashing, I said I always wanted. I looked at you like this. I want to come on the mic, and without saying anyone's name or clashing, just set the level so high that you put yourself. At, but that's that's the hunger inside. You shouldn't be an MC if you don't want to do that. You shouldn't be a footballer if you don't want to yeah, do that with your football. True. But uh, as I said, all positive love. But yeah, you know, everyone wants to be the best. Everyone wanted to have the best reaction. Everyone wanted to have the coldest lyrics. That just drove me and it drove everyone. You must have had to have set like laws though and and rules because there would have 100% been times where someone's laid a verse down and then someone else who's already done and I need to go and write mine again. I need to go and do mine again. Like you must have, must have had to have some sort of rules. My rules. I said we didn't do no, really, we've done a few recording sessions together. Yeah. but, uh, But not that many. But I've always said, if you're going to do a recording session, then don't hear each other's bars. Yeah. Whoever comes strongest, then, like, like you, you can't, I won't do a tune and send you my bar, so you can listen to it and make sure, go away and think, God, I better up my game and I'm going to, I don't want to hear your bar. It, whoever does the bar and lays the nicest bar, that's okay. how it is, and it gets left. So it's fair then, you know what I mean? Yeah, that is, exactly. You shouldn't really hear each other's lyrics until the tune's done. Brother, people, <laughs> there's a lot of people that work like that, though. There is. Send the bar over. Oh, uh, now I've got to go and write mine again. Got to do it again. I've got to lay but it again. But that's cheating. <laughs> it is. It is. But yeah, not every not everyone's the same out here. Um, so what? So you're you're laying your stuff down in the studio. What have, has everyone got to clear out when you're when you're in the booth or what's going on? Uh, no, man. We was we was always firm-handed in the studio. People would be smoking, having a drink, having okay. a giggle. Someone was playing the computer and just good vibes. We used to go studio ten, fifteen-handed some days. Just, yeah, just everyone roll out. But then as it got more serious and I was making projects on myself, I did, like, me and Louie would go away. I'd like to be in my own world or just one or two of the boys. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Focus. get serious. Focus, that's it. So Focus. you did Art of Roll in 08? Yeah, 07, 08. Yeah. 07, 08 times, yeah. Now, of course, 06, I'm skipping ahead. But if Tales of the Crypts came out 05, 06, 06 was War Report times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, whilst that wasn't an official release um, for anybody, that was a very epic moment in history. Did a lot for me, of course, as a as a radio presenter slash curator of music slash mixtape maker, whatever it is. Um, what was that like for you being involved in that? Because obviously, you were you were you were very young, 
you're the, you know you had that tie to rinse but obviously you're you're firmly with your collective over here and Wiley's basically Wiley plus is over there because mm. that was pretty much everyone clashing Wiley with a, with a little bit of extras thrown in like, what was that like for you as a as a young man how old are you then uh, like probably 06. about 16, 17, I suppose. Yeah. I've always said I just regret all that, man. I yeah. look back, I think if you've got a problem with someone, you should sort it out off the mic. And yeah, just focus and do you. Probably, yeah, one of my only regrets, really, to be fair. Just focus on myself and crack on. Yeah, got a problem you, with you, someone, you have pretty much kept yourself to yourself and just cracked on with the music other than that. Yeah, yeah, I have, man. But you live, you learn, young man. Yeah. So I've got nothing but adoration for Wiley, one of the, one of the legends in the game. He called me up. We'd done a tune a couple of years ago, Holy mm. Grime. And I was glad to do that That was tune. On one of his most successful releases ever, The Godfather 1. Mate, just crazy. And he's always, he's always been, like, he's always spoke crazy highly of you. He understood me. I think a lot of people didn't understand me on the mic, but he understands, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, probably one of my only regrets. Like I said, stick to yourself, do you. And I've got nothing but respect for the geezer anyway. Just a bit young and needed yeah. to probably learn a few things, you know? What's he said? Part 16, 17. Up carried away it was definitely an exciting time it was a hype time uh, for everybody we moved on Art of Rolling came out um, 08 what went into that project for you? I was just in the element by then just buzzing I said we had a little bit of success of Tales from the Crypt my name was spreading I was getting better with the lyrics and I just wanted to attack mm. everything I could so we got back in the booth found some tunes we liked and just laced them not really overthinking things, just getting in there and lacing beats that I liked, you know, just trying to hit them as good as I could. Um, like in terms of producers that you were working with as well, obviously um, you mentioned Louis. Louis Ratchet a, played a big a, part. Yeah. Had, yeah, you had, you know, Ratchet was responsible for one of your biggest tracks mm. to date in that time. Yeah. Um, Community Outcast. Yeah. Um, so we had Devilish he was giving us tunes yes mm. yeah uh, well Smasher might have given me a few tunes it's hard looking back now <laughs> yeah but I, I was lucky enough to have a few good producers around me you know? but you definitely like cultivated a sound as well because there was Shots I can't forget Shots yeah as well. at, at that time um, at that time Grime was kind of I think maybe trying to find itself sonically as well because you had that that boom period of like 2002 and all these all these tracks that you could kind of turn into polyphonic ringtones like Creeper and Eskimo <laughs> and Johnny Cash too. War and all these tunes that were so recognisable and catchy and then kind of people went off in different directions and um, you did um, London City that was crazy yeah yeah um, you had like a distinctive sound I think I always like when I weren't just attacking beats. I loved that. That's why I liked Shotzi's production and mm. like Louis White's production. It's cold. You can almost chase the beat. Yeah. Down. But then when I was trying to like bring more songs into Grime, that's where Ratchet helped me out because he was doing a lot of sampling and bringing like a lot more music into the. So you could actually write songs to it. He was bringing something different out in me. So I was lucky in that respect. So I had the horrible beats around that you could go and attack, and then Ratchet was bringing like the more the more song type Grime music. So yeah, I was quite lucky. I had what I needed there. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so what other stuff were you listening to? I, I, I obviously saw 
you do an interview with Yizzy previously when you spoke to him, um, and you were talking about a lot of the stuff that you were listening to growing up. You said you're an old soul. I am, mate. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and that was before the the grey set in as I was, well. I was well, I've been grey since I was about twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been an old soul. Um, so what kind of stuff? Everything really, from Diana Ross and stuff like that to Oasis, Nirvana. Uh, I said I was listening to a lot of New York rap, mm. but yeah, I, just, I, I don't know. Tended to like the old music more, but that helped me with with songs like Community Outcast. And mm. I said Ratchet was making them beats, but I wanted to bring a more a song influence into the grime rather than just barring that. So I think you can take any something from any genre of music. Is that music that was like? Playing in and around your house when you were growing up? Yeah, in the car when my mum, she always had Diana Ross on. And mm. Mike and the mechanic, Springsteen. I, said, I love Springsteen. Like, he can write things and he drives a phrase home well. Mm. It doesn't matter what genre of music you're writing. If you're writing lyrics, you've got to know how to phrase things yeah. to touch people. Like, yeah, Springsteen, mm. Springsteen always had that skill to sort of make people feel like he was writing for them. Yeah. Like Do you he, know what I mean? He, he just phrases things perfectly. You've got to drive it home when you're writing something and... So I, I took in influence from all of them, or inspiration from all of whoever I was listening to, and the sort of sounds. Motani, that sort of sound, goes well with rap. I mm. think you, you hear a lot of rap tunes that have sampled that music from that era. So it all blended in, and I found myself somewhere in and amongst all that. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of that stuff, you can kind of... Music that's roughly like two decades older than the era you're in, is always going to work because it's keyed into like what you were listening to in your form, like when yeah. you were first discovering music, and that always, you know, in that era in which people were making so many sampled lead beats, um, which obviously the, the movement were were using a lot of those as well. Um, I was surprised that there wasn't more sort of sample based tracks that were using maybe some of the some of the tunes that that we would have heard growing up as kids kind of kind of like a bit more vocally choppy kind of samples rather than the in the same way you mentioned like Motown yeah uh, you know a lot of James Brown samples as well um that were used in 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 hip hop especially like some of the stuff that Biggie was doing mm. um and obviously like Primo well they had the money to clear it I suppose <laughs> yeah but come on we're making mixtapes <laughs> no, like, no. clear what how many tunes you clear on Tale of the Crypt how much paperwork you got for that? Cool, mate. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. I'll have lawsuits. <laughs> but no, I don't know. I can only work with what producers were giving me. Yeah. But I, 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 liked, I liked the samples. Not so much the vocals, because obviously yeah. that was our job to go and put vocals on it. But just the contrast, the darkness and the harshness of the grind beat and the tempo to the more melodic sort of sound and maybe strings. and It was a good contrast. You know what I mean? It worked well for me. Yeah, especially with you know the, the subject matter, what you're talking about, where you're coming from, uh, over the the more musical elements, especially when you kind of linked grime traditionally to that sort of dark synthy sounds. Yeah, adding in sort of the light melodic sample stuff kind of like flipped it entirely. Brought something else out in you. You could write about different subjects more easily. I think. Certain beats will bring certain songs out of you that you probably didn't even know you had until you've heard that beat. Right. Did you ever at any point as an artist feel like there was something that you couldn't express within the genre of grime? Mm. Like, did you ever feel limited by it? No, not really, mm. to be fair. So you can write about anything. you just got to have a certain air of decorum around it. 
Some some people try and do uh, love tunes in grime or rap, and I think like you can do them, but you've got to have the air of decorum, right? Otherwise, they become very easily cheesy, you know. Yeah, you just got to do it properly. So you, you can write about anything, but as long as you do it properly and with a certain like respect around the subject and the way you're writing things, it won't sound cheesy, you know. Or you, know, you just got to be clever about whatever you write, I suppose. So 2010, things are going really well couple of projects under your name. Obviously, the, the success of the movement has catapulted you uh, even further, like you said. Platforms, you've elevated to another level. Definitely. Signed a deal with Island Records yeah. 2010. How did that feel as a, as a young man out of Dagnum, having that? Especially like Island Records, which has so much prestige you know, for, for a rap fan. It was a bit surreal, to be fair. Just a, a bit of a roller coaster from being up pirate radio to putting out a couple of mixtapes to... Yeah, now you've got record labels knocking at the door. I find it, it was brilliant, but yeah, very strange, almost like a bit of a dream, you know, pinching myself. Um, how did that come about, like, um, in terms of them approaching you, the, the conversations? What was the process like? Because obviously it's something that you've probably never been through before. At the time, I think I had London City out and a, a, few, yeah. a few tracks. And like me, as you said, my name was buzzing off the back of the movement. I'd done a bit of graft and... Uh, my manager rang me one day. I think I was coming out of Dagenham Job Centre. I weren't working at the yeah. time. And he went, there's Sign a few record on. labels interested. I went, oh, yeah, you're white, right, mate. You know what I mean? But no, no. But I'll, I'm, unless something happens, I'll never count me chickens. I thought, I won't sell no one and that. And yeah, we started meeting a few record labels over Kensington. Just a different world, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it definitely like, is, mate. Definitely massive is. buildings, people suiting and booted, talking about they can do this for me, that for me. It's a lot to take in for a young man. But then when we met Island Records, they just seemed a bit more. It was a bit more young and in touch, and a bit more. I could I could see myself getting on with them people, yeah. friendly people. Who did you nice speak people. to there when you when you went in? Do you remember? Uh, Darkus. Yeah, Darkus is 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 great, mate. He definitely definitely will make you feel at home. Yeah, do you know what? A, a big character, and they all did. They made me feel not that every every label I went and see was very nice, but uh, I could see myself working with these people. A bit more, a bit more young and. That was on my way for a bit more, you know? So you had the opportunity to put out another project. It was uh, Bud, Sweat and Tears. Bud, Sweat and Beers. Bud, Sweat and Beers. <laughs> That's right, I'll forget myself, mate. Blood, blood, Sweat and Tears, Bud, Sweat and Beers. It's an easy mistake to make. It's the play on I've words. got it at home as well. Um, but yeah, that came out. So that, that came out on Ireland or was that before? That came out on Ireland, yeah. So that was your first project. And you had a, you had a top 40 off that, right? Brainwashed. Uh, what do we have with that? I'm not sure, to be fair. I think Brainwash was a top 40. said, in the eye of the storm, at the minute you look back at everything you've done. Yeah. Uh, I know it was received do you ever Do you ever sit back and like reflect on what you're always looking forward? Uh, sometimes I do. I think we've done some great stuff, all the memories in it. Mm. But you forget little things along the way. It's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Like, even talking through it all now, it just feels like I'm talking about someone else, you know? Yeah. Because you're here in this chair now, but... But no, I know the album went well. I can't remember if it was top 40 or top whatever. But it was no, definitely I mean, you had, a, you, had a, you had a top 40 single off of it. Um, With Brainwashed, you mean? Yeah, yeah, Brainwashed yeah. as well. Just a, as I said, though, young man and just thinking, what's going on here? We're with a big record label and yeah, just enjoying it, probably, rather than looking at every fact, just enjoying the, the moment. Yeah, I mean, did you keep any sort of mementos or like flyers or any of that sort of stuff? I always try and keep me wristbands or yeah. passes. Because then you look back and think, cool, I've got boxes full of them indoors. I think, cool, we've been here. I'll write a date on them, who we was with. Yeah. Do you remember that turnout, boys? We so, was over there, we had a nutty one up there. and 
that's good to look back because I've got a crap memory. You, know? <laughs> you can look in the box and think we've done some stuff. You know? Yeah, you reach a point as well where there's so much stuff you just can't, can't remember. It's like um, you know, it's like having a full glass of water and trying to pour more water in. Like yeah, some yeah. splashes out over the sides. You know, I, I, I definitely get the same thing. I, I, you know, I was doing I was doing sets every week on Kiss for like ten years. And people will come to me and be like, oh, yeah. You know, obviously some of the obvious ones like, you know, Getz and, and Kano and, and Skepta set or, you know, stuff like that. Or the one where all the youngsters are on with P-Money and Griminal and Brutal and Chip and Dot. And like, I'll remember some of those. But people will come to me as sets that I have genuinely forgotten that I ever recorded. It's not possible to remember them all, is it? No. Nah, well, you know, that's, that's why it's good to, to, to keep a record of it. I've lost a bag of sets as well, man. Hard drives die and all that stuff. So that's why I keep my little memento box. Try and keep hold of a few bits to remember. You know? It's important. It's important. What are some of the, the most cherished memories you've had then as a, as a young man? Uh, when Jesse J took me out at Wembley. Yeah. That was massive. Obviously, I ain't doing Wembley Stadium off my own back. And I uh, felt like an ant. There's about 80,000 people there. You could feel the vibrations through you backstage. So that was massive. And that's Wembley Stadium, not Wembley Arena, by the way, peeps. So Wembley Arena with Paul Weller. Always like Jeez. Paul Weller. I, I love his music. I didn't even know you'd did. done that. That's yeah. mad. He took me out of Wembley Arena in the Brighton Centre. So, yeah, done a couple of studio sessions with him. He's a proper legend as well, Paul Weller. He is. I always had a lot of love for his music, a lot of time. And what a gentleman and all. So, yeah? Yeah, great times. You find that, though, don't you? Like People that are real, that have really done something worth you know the respect and uh and, and accolades that they received are oftentimes like some of the most humble people oh, mate, he, he was a top fella so i've been lucky to meet a load of nice people through music but no he was a top geezer and that was someone that meant a lot to me because obviously i grew up listening to his music mm. and we still play that in the pub now tangled malice and that you know what i mean after yeah. a few beers so that was nice even taking the boys out on tour that meant a lot to me. Growing up, you needed money to do things. No one really had much. So, like, you, you, the area was your own little world, as I'm sure it is for a lot of youngsters mm. all over the world. You need money to get out and do things. So, just take us on tour. We had we had giggles, mate. Tour bus up and down the country. We're all having a drink, laughs, and just proper good times, man. They're little things you cherish, you know? Yeah. Little private moments that... Like no one else will remember other than the people that were part of it and they, oh, they only really mean anything to you I was, we were saying earlier from Pirate Radio and this that next thing you know we're doing proper shows you know what I mean we're on the road we're in big tour buses and just funny times money can't buy them times how did you find that crossing over from you know doing being sick on Pirate Radio being a, a beast in the studio to having to stand and, and perform songs in front of an audience Especially an audience that's not specifically there for you, because when you're starting out, you must be doing support slots and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, example took. That's why I met Ed Sheeran on Examples tour. We was both supporting. For example, I found it difficult at first, to be mm. fair, because like Cause it's not you, really a skill set you get to practice. No, I did. To be honest, I found it difficult and got a bit rigid. I'd be rigid at times, and mm. didn't just learn loosen up, interact with the crowd. Be confident and just go and do your thing. But it was all the learning curve for my own tour when that came about then. and So it was preparation. And then we, I went on tour with Jessie Jage. Bless her, she took me on tour, supporting. And that one I found out because I thought we're worlds apart, obviously, with my mm. music and hers. But you learn how to win crowds over. And yeah, just a big learning curve for me, really. So now you've got a new album out. 
which is I don't I'm going to get this wrong. And I, I don't I, these days I can't really tell the difference between oh this is a mixtape and this is you know like it it kind of means nothing anymore because they're just bodies of work that go up on digital platforms yeah. now. So they're all projects now. <laughs> Got a new project. Projects. Um, but this is on Devlin Music. And this isn't the first thing you put out on Devlin Music, right? Because you started that in like 2015, I want to say. I said you know more than me, bro. The Devil In, <laughs> you've done that yourself, right? The Devil In, yeah. And, uh, but, but this one, as you said, it's got that, it has got that oldie weldy mixtape feel to it. Yeah. Album mixtape, call it what you want, but, but yeah, independent, so. You're still working kind of within the same infrastructure. You've got Colin there and Charlie yeah, there man, and EGA. Years, yeah. um, and that, that wider support of um, the universal group, I guess, as well. But how much, like, how different is it doing this project compared to something like Bud Sweat and Beers? Uh, I think it's only different because the way I've approached it. Bud Sweat and Beers, I, I tried coming with a lot of conceptual songs. Hmm. This, I just took this back to basics. I thought, just go and find beats you like and hit them. Just recapture that initial love. That's why I started spitting. That's where I come from. So I just found beats I like. I told Louis, dig out some beats. We'll make mm. some beats. He dug out some old bangers. He made some new bangers. And yeah, I just did it. Didn't overthink things. And I think the fans have recognised that. And they seem to like that raw element. Yeah, I think nowadays as well, because of how like everything's set up in the industry, you can just exist in your own lane and be significantly successful maybe not like like Ed Sheeran levels of successful like you know I'm sure we'd all love to to hit them one day yeah Yeah, do you know what I mean my bank manager would definitely like if I hit that as well Um, but yeah when you when you kind of had that connection with your your fan base and you kind of realise what I like doing this and they like me doing this and if I just kind of stay in this lane, we're both going to be happy. And I might, you know, exp- explore here and there. But you can do that now and get your records out, do it independently, and, you know, not, not have that pressure that you might have of putting out a major label album and, oh, they're going to spend a quarter of a mil on the, on, the, on, the, on the promotion and marketing. And you can just focus on making music that you want to make. See, I'm very lucky because, well, the best thing I did was getting the game young. So I've got a lot of old school fans, you know what I mean? They're, they're very good to me. Mm. And they are very supportive of me. So they just they just seem really happy. I had another body of work at. I said, didn't overthink things, got in the booth and started smacking some tunes up. And they seem happy, but they're good to me. Wherever I do, I know I've got a core fan base that would always go and support me. And I suppose I'm very lucky for that. Yeah, you've, got, you've got a brand name in that, like, when you come back and drop something every couple of years. Because you have had periods where you've had a couple yeah, of years off. Um, you've been quite consistent with it in terms of like releases pretty much every two years, I think. Well, you're probably right there. Yeah. Right like, not intentionally either, no, but you've it's just... Not. It's you not. Know, it's time. I've, I've got enough now. I've got the energy and the motivation. I'm back. I'm going to be recording. And, you know, uh, you've been dropping projects consistently. Like you said, the last one was... The Devil In. That 20, was a couple of years ago. I want to say 2017. You put something out. Me and Sire had an that. EP out yeah. last year. And again, that was like proper organic as well. You didn't really sit, sit out and think, oh, I need, to, I need to ring up Sire and we'll go back to the old days and I'll do an EP. And no, we just, just naturally got a bit tighter again. 
made sense to get back in the booth, you know, and I really enjoyed that project. So on a, on a personal one, like you're just talking anyway, and then yeah. the music flows from that because it's something that you both are passionate about. Exactly that, mate. Natural. Started chatting and rolling about, doing a few things together. So we said we might as well get down and make an EP, you know what I mean? And he's a really good producer, sire as well. Very, he's underrated as well. Mate, he's got them beats that oh, I love. You can chase them down. They're quite haunted. Mm. And yeah, back to basics. He can make a bit of everything as well. Like, you know, he he's got them kind of beats, but also he's got them sort of bouncy. You know, there's been a couple of times where he's made like tunes that have been tearing up sets and people have, you know, been completely confused as to where the beats come from. Like, oh, is that a Wiley one? Oh, it must be a Wiley one. It's, it's got the skip and the bounce. But no, it's like it's come out of Sires. And he's, in fact, influenced other producers to, to, to follow on that sound rather he's than the other way around. man, mate. Yeah. He, he probably deserves a bit more credit. But yeah. Beyond that, he's a great MC and all. And it, I think that helped me before my album. We just went back to basics, got some dirty tunes up and rallied, bounced off each other. Mm. No big, deep concepts. Let's just go and just bar out. And uh, that set me up well for my album, I think. Got me back in that mode. Do you think that the freedom to be able to write and record like that lets you showcase like yourself in a better light than sitting down and thinking, right, I've got to record an album and I've got to think of these concepts and I have to be maybe like overcomplicating what I want to do. Whereas just being able to just be raw with it and, and let out whatever it is you've got in there rather than thinking about how's it going to fit in this structure and have I got three singles that I can push. Do you feel that that benefits you a bit more as an artist? Definitely, and I think I used to think like that, which benefited me, you know what I mean? Because mm. if you, if you want to write big concepts and big tunes and have albums that like correlate all across the board, but yeah, I probably put a bit too much stress on me writing. That's, that's yeah. probably why I found it a little bit difficult to write, you know, at times. But uh, coming back off a break and just going back to basics with the bars and that, Definitely helped me again. That's how we got the new album out. That's me and Sire are going to do another EP. That's half done. Sick. So it's just just to have that freedom again, take the pressure off myself and go again. I would love to hear oh. more stuff from you and Shots as well. Yeah, Shot, do you know what? I see Shots the other day in the manor. And, uh, I know he's making beats as well. Again. He is, yeah, mate. He is making beats. So that's you, that probably will happen, to be fair. Might hear that. Um, shots. Did you find, like, I just want to go back because you, you said something and it kind of triggered something in my mind. Like, you got signed... At a very young age, comparatively oh, yeah. to a lot of people. I, was, I, was about, I think I was about 20 or something like that. Must have been 20 or something like that. Yeah. Mm. Did you feel like that process of recording an album and that that kind of expectation that... So every time you stepped up to a new platform as a, as a teenager, you smacked it. Like, got onto rinse. Everyone's gassed about like you know everyone's talking about who this kid is start doing sets and stuff with the movement and again 16 years old but you're shining next to some of the best technical MCs in the game put out Tales of the Crypt great body of work everyone's amazed that you're not just you know a beast in on the mic on the sets you can create songs as well it's time to do the album did you feel like there was a lot of pressure on you to to see success on like a commercial level because it's it's something that a lot of MC, specifically from Grime as well, have kind of struggled to get, I think, without changing what they do considerably. As if by magic we have teleported into another room, which is uh, very impressive. Um, but yeah, we were talking about your... the pressures of... Uh, 
of producing an album rather than uh, just dropping mixtapes and radio uh, and how that affected you, how you dealt with it and uh, the benefits and drawbacks, I guess. I think... uh I think I did put a lot of pressure on myself, I suppose. Coming coming to make that album, Bud, Sweat and Beers, as you said, it was a level up. We was with a big, uh, big label. So I did. I think the pressure was good. You've got to put pressure on yourself. That's how you've you got to thrive under the pressure. Yeah. But, but definitely, I wanted to... Not so much to be successful. I never dreamed that I'm going to make a song and it's going to be number one or top. You can't even make a song and think it's going to be an album song. I make a load and you pick the best ones. But I just really wanted it to be good. You know what I mean? pressure for the music to be good and I think I got there with that not so much pressure to be successful though I just wanted it to be a really good body of so work so you never really felt that just you know oh, I've got a I've got a chart I've got to be here my music has to go here I have to appeal to these people now no, it was just not really I just always got... always put pressure on myself to be the best that I could be and I think I, I put more pressure on myself than anyone when it comes to me writing because I want to be good I care you know what I mean I want to do good at what I'm doing but I didn't dream in a million years that I might have a top 10 or things like that and gold-selling album. I think that will come naturally with the hard work, you know? You surprise yourself sometimes. Yeah, I think that's a really healthy attitude. And it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you didn't, like, experience that because a lot of artists do. They do. I've signed this album deal now. I've got to recoup this. I've got to, I've got to get these, you know, they, my A&Rs are talking about this chart position and, and that and... Everyone's expecting this. I think Ireland were good to me. They give me a lot of freedom, but they'd advise me, say, look, we need some songs that maybe you don't have to compromise yourself, but maybe think of a bit of daytime radio or something. But good to me, just give me advice. And I tried to incorporate in that into what I was doing, but it gave me a lot of, uh, lot of freedom. But I said, I'll put pressure on myself just to make sure it was a good body of work. But you need to sometimes, don't you? You know what I mean? I mean, musically, you're in a, you were in a good place anyway. You had all the. Uh the connections to like the older tracks as well, um, like your Diana Rosses, as you said, um, all that music that you were listening to growing up. Massive international, multi-platinum selling albums that you can kind of draw on as as musical inspiration and try and work that into to what you're doing. So, you know, you're coming from a good good place there, as, uh, approaching an album as a young man rather than just like blinkered. On, I need to make tunes that are going to get a reload in Sidewinder or bars that are going to get pulled up in on rinse. See, I, I was never that sort of MC anyway. The reload MC and screaming and shouting and just for a reload. I like to get me lyrics in. You know, mm. I love the fast skippy flows in and out of little pockets and trying to be clever with wordplay. Really, but I mean, that's what I was like about. People were like, definitely getting reloads for that though. Maybe not. You know, the instant I say my one line and that, but you definitely can spray live and people will hear something for the first time and go, oh, wow. One of the things that I really loved about you as an MC is you were saying things that I know no one would have said if you were not an MC. And I think that's, that's a great legacy to have as, as a writer of anything, you know, whether it's music, it's a big compliment poems, for me. Yeah. books. You know, I don't think a lot of the things you were saying would have been said because you're coming from such a unique place uh, and a unique environment and some unique circumstances that kind of came together to create not just Devlin the MC but James Devlin the man um, uh, and put you in that, that position so that you were able to tell like your story 
to the people on the microphone and not really need to... See, it's hard to evaluate yourself. Obviously, that's a massive compliment to me. Yeah. But I always just tried to give it 100% with what I was doing. I was focused on the music, trying to up the levels with the bars, trying to be creative. And all I've ever done is really just try and give it my best. So when you get people that are going out, buying albums for you and supporting, buying tickets and that, to me, it still, it still feels a bit surreal. It's just a massive blessing and a massive compliment, really. You know, the people have got a time of day for me. What's your What's your day to day life like, by the way? Because you've you've always been kind of a bit of reserved person, especially when social media and that blew up. You were kind of maybe a little bit on the back burner as well in terms of in terms of like what you were doing. Yeah, I'm just, I'm quite a private geezer. If I ain't if I ain't out doing music, if I ain't in the studio or doing shows or I've just got my own little crew, you know what I mean, that yeah. I grew, grew up with, known for years, good people. I have a beer, I like a game of snooker, I chilled, I watch the football, I'm just a normal geezer. If I ain't working, as you said, I'm quite reserved, I stick to my own and try and keep me nut down, really. One of the things that um, I'm introducing into this podcast, after talking to Rukid, which um, a lot of people sort of uh, latched onto, was we were talking about... We were talking about the subject of broke for grime. And I think anyone that has ever done anything in grime has been through a time in their life when they have been broke for <laughs> grime. Yeah, definitely. Like, can you, have you got any, any good stories or memories of like, that, that, that time period, like some of the things that you had to do? I said, mate, I was a young man. When I, when I got a phone call coming out of the job centre in Dagenham, I had, yeah. I had nothing, but I knew it was what I wanted to do. My mum always wanted me to go and get a job. She wanted the best for me, obviously, but I knew I had opportunities there. But I scrimped and scraped. I see other people doing things they maybe shouldn't have, bringing money in. You know what I mean? Temptation. I see other people going into jobs, and I thought maybe, I, I don't know, I'm in the middle here. I've That's got to be a ton of pressure, isn't it? You it was. I, mean? I thought, if this don't work out, then I'm going to be left in the lurch a little bit, but... I stuck to me guns, really. And I said, we all went with that. But it's sacrifice. If you want to do something that bad, mm. you've got to sacrifice certain things. I was happy when, when, we, uh, when we had songs on iTunes and that. My manager would ring me up and say, there's a little bit of money coming there. Tells you and the Crips doing all right, starting to do all right, and people are downloading it. So any little thing I could get my hands on to keep me going, trying to pay for studio, and I'd always know my lyrics off by art, so I could be as quick as I could in the studio. Yeah, you don't want to so roll no, into another yeah. hour. That what that hour is, that's it. I'd know it off by art, get in there, bosh, done. So yeah, you, you sacrifice, but then things slowly, slowly started progressing. You know. Are there any sort of ridiculous lengths you have gone that you look back and think, I can't, I can't believe I actually put myself through that just to get to a studio or a show or we've, we've drove to the middle of nowhere in crappy old motors you know what I mean I'd be jumping train barriers all across London to go here then every, no money for even a train ticket yeah. I think I can't get a train ticket and pay for studio and yeah one or the other yeah <laughs> right. it was sacrifice Do, dodging the subs at Pirate Radio you've got oh. to pay your subs I'd be gone you know and yeah, but did you did you have to play a collective rate for your show, or did everyone have to chip in? I don't know. I don't think I ever paid it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was lucky. I was I was around a lot of older pals. And yeah, all. you were the, like the young the, the, the young mascot. I was I the young pup, so I was looked after to a degree. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a bit of bopping and weaving as well, you know. So yeah, I don't think I don't think a lot of them lads were short of money as well. So uh, 
Yeah, it's all right. It's all right back then. Glamour was cutting a lot of dubs. You've got the album out right now, which I haven't really talked about that much, but let's do that because it's exciting. You, you said about, you took it back to the essence, and yeah, the first two tracks that we heard off of it was the Chimitera, um and uh, yeah, Louis as well, um, Triton, yeah. Gets. That's proper all the way back. That is, that's definitely all the way back. I think we dug that out, mate. That is from old school days. That's yeah. from Cable Street days when Jeez. we all had the studios there. So, yeah, it just had that oldie-weldie, grimy feel about it. And even the intro, Pirates with Sire. I thought it'd be good to make a tune, like we were on Pirate Radio Station. Louis dug that up, and I went, that's perfect. There's a mash-up with some big old tunes anyway. So, as you said, just try taking it back to basics, really. Wicked. And the response has been really good as well. Um, you know, uh, the people that kind of fell in love with the devlin that they first heard... I think it really caters for them a great deal. But you can hear the growth as well. You know, the Devlin, are you 30 yet? Not... I'm 30 in about eight weeks, nine weeks' time. All right, all right, all right. So, yeah, you're almost twice as old as you were when we first heard your voice on a microphone. It's true, mate, yeah. I've done a good 15 which, years Which in is game, crazy. Yeah. Like, a whole other lifetime has gone past since then. Um, Strange, isn't it? Gone very quick. Yeah, I guess so. But at, at the same time, like, if you do take the time and look back on everything you've done, it hasn't really been that quick because you lay everything out that you've done and you think, wow, that's... It's been a lot, yeah. That's a lot. Time over, moves over in mysterious ways, doesn't it? When you're busy, time just seems to slip yeah. away, but it's well, good. Do you know what I've realised as well? It's all relative because when you were a kid, right, when you were like, like summer holidays, when you were like 11, 12, couple of months then, six weeks holiday, was ages. It's a long time. It felt like forever. Yeah. Because you're 11 years old, so like, that's about a month and a half. As a proportion of your life, that's quite a chunk. Do you know what I mean? Like A year in your life as an 11-year-old is a long time. Every year uh, gets quicker, I think. Yeah. Growing up, every year just because gets quicker. As a proportion of your life, it gets smaller and smaller. Do you know what I mean? It's a smaller it's true. slice every time you go. So, like, mate, I'll, I'll write my t- every month I'll write a to-do list on my phone so I can just go through it and... and feel a sense of achievement when I've actually got some stuff done and I can see my plans moving forward. Bruv, that month is gone like that. The, months, are, the months, are, months fly like weeks for me now. I said, that's why I'm back. I want to be a bit more proactive. I, I, do, I don't just want to put out crap music every week. I could do that for fun. Mm, I want it to mean something to me. And, but yeah, I'm back, good head on my shoulders, album out, buzzing, tour coming up. So I just want to be a bit more proactive. Where, where are you at? Where are you hitting? We are at Leeds, Nottingham, Manchester, Glasgow, Dublin and London, of course. So really looking forward to That's that. That's a nice batch of towns, mate. Some great towns. Some well, great I said crowds. I ain't been to uh, Dublin for a while. I ain't been to Glasgow for a while. Nottingham in a while. So uh, really looking forward to it, man. So Who's going to be rolling with you? Uh, Sire. We've got Sire and me pal Rose yeah. doing the support and that. Me pal Jay. He's going to DJ for me. Yeah, it's just a little family venture, you know. We'll take a few of the boys out on the road again and go and have a laugh and play to the fans that have gone and bought the album. Much love to them. So last time I spoke to you, um, I was asking you a little bit about whether you kept up with some of the new talent and that was coming through. And you were quite straightforward with me that you hadn't really heard a lot of what was going on. Um, But since then, over the last couple of months, you've done a couple of bits and pieces um, and you just dropped a tune with Tommy B., as I well. did, yeah, I did just drop Literally the tune with Tommy B. this week. Yeah, um, well, probably not even a week ago, but yeah. yeah. Good tune and all, man. Very good tune. So how did that come about? Because obviously people are invariably going to 
draw comparisons between Tommy uh, and yourself, who's a, who's a very talented young white MC. Slight little bit of cockney to him, so obviously he must have looked up to you. Um, how did that come about? And like, I've heard his name buzzing around for a little while, and obviously I've known Sharky for a long time, yes. and I know like Sharky's doing bits with him. That's and, why he's uh, on major music. Yeah, no, he approached me in the end, and I thought we'd got to that stage now. He stepped his game up and that, mm. and I thought, why not? He's always said he was a big fan of me and that. I liked what he was doing, to be fair, and I thought, why not? Let's go and make it happen, and uh, really good track, man. I enjoyed it. Nice one. I mean, when you, when you spoke to him as well, what was it like, as, a, as someone who came through as, a, as, a, as a, a really talented teenager in the scene, now that you're a, a grown man, you're kind of looking at, I don't, I don't want to say mirror image of yourself because that's sort of a, a bit cliche, but he's in a very similar sort of situation where he's now coming through as a, as a bright, very young prospect, not as young as yourself when you came through, but comparatively everyone's a little bit older when they step into grime these days. Um, did you see a little bit of of your situation in, in him or was it? Uh, if I'm honest, look, I just think it's it's pretty much the same for everyone. If you're coming through young, yeah, you just got to have thick skin, it's it hard, do you know what I mean? He seems to be doing that, he's developing his style. I said he's brought with, I've heard him little bits and bobs, he seems to have really brought it together. Mm. Seems to have a good head on his shoulders, knows what he's doing, knows what he wants to do. I've seen him shutting down a few raves and that, getting putting his name out there. Yeah, so. he was at Eskimo Dance the other day. So, yeah, I right. suppose it's, it's the same remedy for every young person in the game. If that's what you want to go and do, take your craft seriously, and he seems to be doing that fair play to him. Yeah. Uh, when you spoke to him, like, was he... Was he reminding you of like things that you'd done that maybe you'd kind of forgotten as a as a as, as an MC? He like, sent me a picture. I'd done a show at Camden years ago. Yeah, it was a right good right good show. We had a few people there as well, and I'll never forget. There was a tiny tiny kid on someone's shoulders. Yeah, and I remember thinking, how did he even get in? I swear he's over fifteens at least. Yeah, something like that. And it was him. He sent me a picture <laughs> the other day. He's on his brother's shoulders. He's only tiny now, isn't he? Sick. But he was minute, yeah, and I just went, oh, that's powerful. He sent me it, nothing yeah. but love. He said, what a good night that was. So, yeah, that was funny. It did make me chuckle, to be fair. And, and you, re- and you remembered that? I did. Always said, cool, that kid's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> but now he's doing his own thing, fair play to him these years later. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, knowing that you had that effect on people to go on and want to do what you have done, that must be... That must be a powerful thing as well. Obviously, you want to write songs that connect with people and you know tell your story. But to know that your story and the art that you've created has inspired other people to want to follow in your footsteps has got to be that's got to be a great feeling. That's quite rewarding. You know what I mean? If I could inspire anyone or to go and do anything positive, yeah. then yeah, that's very rewarding. It means a lot to me anyway. And uh, so, no, best of luck to him. He's come a long way now. He's done his graft. He's still doing a bit of graft. And yeah, he's just all about establishing himself now. I think he's doing that. What do you think it's like now for, you know, someone trying to get into music in the way that the music industry has completely changed? Where when you were a kid coming through, you had had like community centres, youth centres. You had all these, you had like a a league system almost, a pirate radio where you could start here and work your way up and get noticed and get brought in. You know, you did have the opportunity to go and burn your own CDs or maybe press up your own white labels and stuff. Now it's a very, very different situation. Um, you know, do you, do you give that much consideration? 
Especially now you're a label boss <laughs> as well. I don't, it's just, uh, I, I suppose it'd be hard for me to say, obviously, because I ain't come up in it. Yeah. But it seems to be like a more natural progression, more organic progression. As you said, it was. You step up the ranks and you do this, you get your, you do your graft. But now you've only got to have a couple of good songs and you can blow up on YouTube or you can mm. be here. and So probably positive for different reasons. There's like labels sniffing around a lot of area as well because they're trying to pick up whoever's next and... People kind of get plucked. I'd say, the, I'd say the good thing we had, obviously, this is where I've still got my core fan base. I feel like I earned that for years of pirate radio mm. station, for years of yeah. doing little raves up, up and down the country. So that's good. They stay with you, and they've been very good to me. Now you can have one song and pop up overnight and drop overnight. I and everyone forgets about you in yeah, six months' time. Well, you ain't really earned that core, core fan base mm. and done as much. But if there's more opportunity now for people to do their thing, and it can only be a positive thing. I don't know. I ain't come up in that. Yeah. I only come up the way I know. You can only you know, talk so. about what you experience. So, yeah. So, now that you are a label boss running Devlin Music, um, how hands-on are you with the business side of things? Uh, obviously, I keep an eye on things, but I've got people there looking after yeah. certain things for me. I've always liked to just focus on the music as much as I can. Mm. I think that's my job, ultimately, and I need to, need to be doing that well. But, obviously, I, I oversee things and I'm, I'm involved, but... My management have always took a lot of pressure off me and let me do my music. So I know we're in capable hands with some things, but I'll check in and go through things and you got to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you've got such a long established working relationship with your team that you have around you um, that obviously it's a, it's, it must be a, a well-oiled machine now. But, you know, it's called Devlin Music, so obviously it does what it says on the tin. It's putting exactly out, that. It's putting out Devlin's music. But do you have an interest in, you know, putting out other people's music in the future? Because it is a label. It is a business. You Devlin. do have the the vision and the, the ear, I guess, to, to hear stuff. Definitely. I just want to get, as I said, we just had an album out myself. I want to yeah. focus on that as much as I can. Do a couple more bits, but uh, definitely in the future. In future, probably not in the... Too far future as well. Okay. We'll, we'll bring some people in and we'll do... Ain't as if I ain't around talented people that I can mm. work with. I know quite a few talented people. But at the moment, just want to re-establish myself for a minute and yeah. uh, we'll go from there, I think. Do you think that's been difficult at all to re-establish yourself? Because you said you've got like that, that core fan base that welcome you back. And that's always great because you're always coming back in at... You're not coming back in at, squ- at, at square one. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're coming back in at a, at a base level that you've earned from all of that content over the years, all of the sets that you ain't been paid for, all the freestyles that you ain't been paid for, you know, a lot of shows, support shows and what have you that, again, you've not earned anything for, um, as well as all the releases that you've done that, that have been out there on top of that. Um, but have you found it difficult to kind of grab everyone's attention again or have you found that, like, the wider industry, maybe the wider music industry, have, have shown you that same respect as well? Uh not really. I'm just doing what I've done and what I've done there for a long time. I just feel happy to be back. I feel positive. We're active. So really looking forward to that tour and just happy to be back making music yeah, and you distributing You seem really music. laid yeah. back and just comfortable. Yeah. Just I think it's the best way to be. I say I've grown up now. I've seen a lot and uh, i just got to do me to the best of my ability. I'm lucky people will go and support me. Yeah. And naturally it's going to grow because I'm going to keep doing more. So we just... This is platform 1010 now, <laughs> so we just build off this platform. Wicked, man. I, you know, I'm really happy to, to have finally got this, this slightly more in-depth conversation with you, even if it is in front of cameras and a microphone. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to hear, 
people that I I know are like genuinely like beyond talented. Like talented is like a base level. I think you're an exceptional MC, and to know that you feel that level of like comfort in the art that you're creating and getting it out there is is good, man. Like I want everyone. How how you're talking right now is how I want everyone to talk. You know, I said, mate, you can only do what you do best. You know what yeah. I mean? And I'm back at that. So whatever comes now is a blessing with it. Yeah, wicked. Well, look forward to the tour. Have a great one if you ever need a, a support DJ. You know, come well, through. Might take you up on it. It's all good, mate. Can even hit me up directly. I don't have an agent at the moment, so yeah. But yeah, have a good one. The album, uh, the Outcasts, out right now uh, from all good streaming platforms. But buy a copy. I know everyone's streaming now. Is it on CD? Can I get it on CD? You can get it on CD. Go and buy a CD. Like, go and get something that means something. Do you know what I mean? Go and, go and get something that you can look back on in, in, in a few years' time, five years, ten years' time, and, and, you know, remember, rather than files on your computer. I think it's important. I always like the CD, the hard copies, yeah. you know what I mean? I've still got one. You got some notes? You put, you put the effort to put the notes in there as well? Any notes in the CD case? Uh, no, we just put a load of pictures in. Yeah. But I think the pictures are memories. They're good, you know what I mean? Even I've looked back at all through the pictures, I think. Are they, like, historic pictures? Because I've not seen the CD, not going to lie. In the inlay, we've just got loads yeah. of the book. Just all of my little crew, you know what I mean? Wherever yeah. we've been. Just for me, I can look back and think, oh, as I said, it's quite nostalgic, the album. So for me and my yeah. little crews, I look back at it's good. We all look a bit older now. I think that's so. good, though. <laughs> I think that's good to have something like you know, personal to you because your fans will relate to it. You know, they want oh, they want to they want to know more about you, and that's why I like doing things like this. You know, yeah. have a little conversation. Maybe you know, I might know things about you that they don't know, and I can ask you about them, or you'll tell me oh, things that I don't know about you as well, it, and everyone. You know, gets a little bit close at the artist. But yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, brother. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Much love. No worries. Um, Thank you very much for watching. If you're listening to the podcast on audio, you can actually watch a video of it. It's on YouTube, so subscribe, youtube.com. And it's Keeping It Grimy, exactly the same as the title of this podcast. That's the channel. Bang a few vlogs and that up there. Um, All of the information, uh, find Devlin's new album, follow him on social media. That will all be in the description under the video. Uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast app or Spotify or iTunes, if we're on iTunes yet, I don't know, because they're making me about a bit, um, please do leave a positive review. It helps. Um, thank you again, Des. Much My appreciated. Pleasure. My pleasure, man. All the best with everything going forward, and I look forward to hearing more from you as well. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Take care, everybody. See you later.